Let's pray. Father, we have uh, used this opportunity to worship you with our words and music and songs. We just remind ourselves our whole lives uh, is an act of worship. So we just come and bow down before you and declare you are our Lord and we love you so much. Speak to us this morning yet again that we might be transformed by word and live for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning and uh, good to see uh, some new people have joined us today. Uh, welcome if you've come to us today. Uh, and uh, yesterday, what we did for you guys who made it just this morning, uh, we touched on our theme is the call, the cost, and the commission. Yesterday we did the call of uh, discipleship. Uh, we looked at, I think I might have mispronounced a particular word yesterday in Greek. Uh, it's mantano for, uh, I don't know what I said, but okay, and the other one is mathetes. There are two words for disciple. One is a verb and one is a noun. Just clarifying that for those who are listening on the tape somewhere before they shoot me down. Yeah. Um, anyway, a disciple is a follower, like an apprentice to a trade, a pupil who follows his teacher, like a student who follows a subject. And in, uh, we looked at, uh, it's common in, in the culture then to have disciples. And we looked at uh, how uh, in the Jewish circles you had people who followed rabbis, they attached themselves to a rabbi, after the age of 12, they finished their studying the Torah. And if they showed signs of promise, they attached themselves to a, a rabbi and they followed him uh, till the rabbi felt that they were ready to make disciples. And from that group of disciples, if someone showed exceptional promise, then he would invest in that particular person so that that particular person could be like him. And uh, I also mentioned that how the Jewish people, when after the age of 12, if they didn't show signs of promise or for family practical reasons, they would go and the boys would go and learn their father's trades and, and the girls would go to learn to manage households. Those were the two things they did. When Jesus, uh, uh, in Jesus' time, he chose, he took the initiative to choose people. That's number one. And he didn't choose anyone from the rabbinical schools. He chose them uh, from everyday tradesmen. So which means that these guys were not necessarily the sharpest knives in the drawer as far as the rabbinical uh, uh, idea was concerned. But yet, Jesus could see that they could be like him. That's uh, phenomenal. So, um, and then we looked at when Jesus, uh, uh, in terms of his discipleship, some things are formally taught some things are informally caught, and then some things we learn by practically doing. 
So when we uh, look at that, when we looked at that yesterday, uh, formal instructions is when he sits down to teach uh, on a given subject, maybe this, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, that kind of instructions, or when he took his disciples by the side and sat down and talked <coughs> to them. And other things are uh, caught uh, by way of observation. He uses everyday examples. He corrects them. And I gave that analogy how my parents took me to the bank, taught me to open an account, how to fill in a form, how to deposit money. And then they let me do it. They watched me. And then later, I started doing it by myself. They asked how it went. I also told a funny story of when I lost some money and how they helped me even with that kind of stuff. And then now I don't go to the bank. I don't take my parents with me to go to the bank. I do it myself. And I've taught my sons to do the same. OK. So, uh, in, so we looked at Peter being called along with his brother Andrew, James, and John, the fishermen, how he asked, he took the initiative, uh, took his boat, uh, uh, asked for his boat, asked him to ask for his use of his net, and then asked for the use of his life. So all three things he did, and then we've seen how that unfolded. What today we're going to be looking at is the costs of discipleship. So I'm going to be predominantly uh, working from uh, Luke chapter 9. And thank you for reading. And time, should time permit, I'll go to Luke 14. But let's see how it goes. Okay. So uh, 10.26. Okay, that's good. Okay, I'm going to start by uh, looking at, uh, in order for, there are no half measures in following Christ. The First and foremost thing is, when the call comes out, it is an effectual call. In other words, it's a, it's a call that you sense deep inside, the deep calling to the deep. Okay? So when we look at the, that particular call, I told that it could be internal and external, be usually a combination of the two. God is already tugging you, and then you hear the external call of God's word, hearing the gospel, and you respond. Then there's also something called a specific call. Maybe some of you might be called into specific ministries. Again, there's the internal call, the external call, and there's a whole process for it. If you feel you're one of those, then uh, we can uh, work on that. Okay? So um, today what we'll look at, we'll start with uh, confession of Jesus as the Christ is uh, fundamental for any discipleship. So here we go, is, uh, Jesus is with his disciples, they are alone. Uh, in other Gospels you find this place is, uh, is up, by, uh, a, up uh, by Golden Heights that way, in that direction, a place called Banias, and he's there. And uh, he asks this question, uh, who do the crowd say that I am? And uh, they give various answers. But the question is uh, made more personal. Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. That is the bottom line. You need to know Christ. If you don't know Christ, you have not begun your journey. But the good news is, today you can know Christ. Okay? If uh, you don't know who uh, Jesus is, I just want to simply say, he is God incarnate. He's come uh, uh, to save you uh, from your sin, uh, to save you from the wrath to come. 
Uh, he wants to clean you. He wants to fill you. He wants to use you uh, for his glory. If you want to find out more, uh, come and meet any one of us and say, hey, do you know uh, how do I become, uh, how do I start this journey? Ask anyone, okay? If they don't know the answer, say, shall we both go and find someone who knows the answer? Okay, and those of you, if anyone comes to you with that question, this is your opportunity to begin uh, to uh, serve him. Okay, so in that capacity. So be prepared for that. Okay. Um, so after this, uh, Jesus uh, predicts his death and his resurrection. And he says, the son of man must suffer many things, uh, be rejected uh, by the elders and chief priests and scribes be killed and raised on the third day. So they have just confessed that Jesus is uh, the Christ, the Son of God. And immediately after that, Jesus is talking about his, uh, his, uh, his death, uh, his resurrection, uh, the rejection, the suffering, those things he's talking about. So at that particular time, he uh, looks at his disciples and he says, if anyone... Uh, desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So now here it's, uh, how do you deny yourself? It's not, this is not self-denial, but denying yourself. So that is, uh, you have to unpack that in your lives. There'll be, there'll be circumstances in which uh, your desires and what God wants you to do will clash. Worldviews will clash. When the worldviews collide, you have to make a choice uh, to say, uh, where, where is my allegiance? Uh, where, 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 where does my loyalties lie? And then uh, you have to make a decision. And that decision is costly. And it's, in this instance, he said, take up the cross. Cross those days was... A, uh, a, a form of execution which was uh, not an easy form. It was even the Romans thought, uh, latterly thought that it was too uh, gruesome and uh, banned execution in the latter part of the Roman Empire. Okay, so, um, so in, for them it literally meant following Jesus means death and you'd be surprised <coughs> to see how many of his apostles uh, lay down their lives and how many of his disciples lay down their lives and even today in some parts of the world people do uh, lay down their lives uh, uh, for the gospel and for his name. How does it unpack for us? Uh, we may not necessarily encounter death. Uh, at most you could face ridicule, uh, you could, uh, if you're, uh, sometimes you could lose a job in some cases but again, you need to be, uh, importantly, remember, when you are at work, you're there to work. Okay? Uh, uh, that is primarily the reason. Because whatever you do, uh, you're doing it for his name, for his glory. So even in your, your work can be worshipped to God, in the way you go about with integrity. But however, he will, he will help you to build relationships with which further inroads could be made in the way you live, the way you conduct yourself. And uh, uh, like I, I, I have told the story before, uh, some of you might know, I was a salesman before I came into, uh, what do you call, uh, in this full time of 
church ministry as such. Every one of you is a full-time minister, by the way. Okay? Uh, if you belong to Jesus, you are a full-time minister. Whether you're full-time within the church is a, a, different, a different thing. So I can remember, uh, I never, when I got this job, I never told anybody I was a Christian. And during my, it was an open plan office, uh, loads of desks there. In my, uh, uh, inside my desk, I had my Bible open and be left there. Um, during my lunch break, uh, I'm eating my lunch and I have my drawer open and I'm looking inside the drawer. And uh, the people in my, who were observant, over the time, they were convinced I was looking at girly pictures. And they all gathered around, and they opened the drawer and said, show it to us. Yeah. <laughs> and they were absolutely shocked to see a Bible inside. <laughs> so uh, before I could say anything, it got, uh, the news was public that this guy is a Christian, and he reads the Bible. From then onwards, during my lunch break, I put the Bible on the desk to read. <laughs> so what I'm trying to say is, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, you can be transparent about your faith, and then God will grant opportunities. And, and I had loads of salesmen who were my colleagues. Uh, when they ran into difficulty, they used to come home to see me and say, this is what's happening in my life. What, what do you think? Can you pray? All those little things came about, and uh, subsequently, uh, uh, two of my colleagues uh, committed their lives to Jesus, and they're still with us. His, his uh, uh, son came to our last weekend away, and his name was Matthew. See, so I'm just trying to say that you know sometimes it takes time. It takes time, but there is that necessity for us to know that there is a place to lay down your life to thing. I'll just give you uh, another example. Um, I have a, 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 a friend, uh, for about 15, 20 years I've known this person, 20 years at least I would say, because it was before Matthew was born. And I used to run errands for this particular uh, lady in uh, Clifton. And um, to the extent where I share, she asked me what I do, etc., and I shared the gospel, there's an opportunity that came. And I used to be called the narrow-minded one because she was a Hindu and she believed that all ways led to Rome uh, while I said there was only one way to God. So she called me, she'll introduce me. This is my friend Alex, he's the narrow-minded one. Okay, <laughs> uh, so it's a low level of stuff. But over the years, uh, as time went on, circumstances changed and today, uh, every time I meet with her, she'll ask me to pray for her. And she'll ask me sometimes, what did you teach? And she asked me, can you send me some Bible verse? As a consequence, uh, uh, her son has given his life to Jesus uh, 20 years later. So what I'm trying to say, sometimes we are under this tremendous pressure to think like we need to work, we need to work. Actually, I'm saying enjoy walking with Jesus and be full of him. Know that he's your Christ and lay down your life when those, 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 these things are expensive. Giving time is expensive. Okay? But I would say that is laying down your life. And uh, uh, he, uh, in this passage, you turn, Jesus very categorically says, uh, uh, I have to, you know, there is no, there's no hiding uh, when you're my disciple. Uh, and if you think that you can hide, 
he, he gives a stark warning for whoever is ashamed of me and my words, uh, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his, uh, his own glory and in his Father's and in the glory of the uh, holy angels. So I'm just trying to put across that it's not a, a being a disciple is not a part-time stuff. It's it's a a 24/7. Okay, all the time you're following him. And uh, after this, Jesus uh, uh, transfigures in front of his uh, disciples. They see his glory again. After this, uh, uh, he is uh, talking about his death. In verse 44, it says, "Let these words sink down into your ears." I like that word. Let these words sink down. I hope that the words we are hearing today, and every time you open Scripture, let it find place in your hearts. The words that find place in your hearts is the ones that will transform you. Okay. Can I have some tissue if you're sitting there? Yeah, thank you. Sorry. Okay. And, uh, and when Jesus had uh, said that he was uh, uh, going to be delivered into the hands of men, the next thing that happens, like, you know, earlier I said Jesus uses circumstances as you go along to teach the informal instruction. Here comes one of the informal instruction in verse 46. There's a dispute that rises up. Thank you. There's a dispute that rises up among the disciples. He just said he's going to be killed. So you can see, immediately they're saying, who would be their greatest? He takes a child. He uses uh, an illustration just from the, probably the children playing. He takes a child, places him here, and then goes on to explain. What, what, is he, what is he trying to say here? In those days, in the Jewish world, uh, children were considered it is an adult world, and children were unimportant. Even in England, before it, they ought to be seen and not heard and all that sort of... You might have, your grandparents might talk about it, I suppose. So here you had a place where children were considered unimportant. He's saying, if you want to be important, you need to have time for the unimportant. If you want to be important, you need to have time for the unimportant. And uh, if you're important, you need to consider yourself unimportant. You get that? So I, I have great time uh, for uh, the, uh, you know, what the world might call as menial jobs. If you're working in a, in a, a, a corporate place and you've got someone who's doing what, what's considered probably as a blue-collar job, have time for them. Be kind to them. Okay, uh, God does not grade us the same way as okay the CEO, then you know the general managers, the divisional managers, area managers. He doesn't. He doesn't grade that way. He grades people who are willing to work with their hands. He's got great, great uh, regard for uh, people who work with their hands rather than pen pushers. Okay, or today it's like. Keeper shares, you know. So, yeah, so uh, what I'm trying to say in God's uh, thing, it's different. So, have time for those the world might consider as unimportant or unimportant tasks. And if you are, by God's grace, you're in a place of importance, consider yourself unimportant and bring yourself to that level playing field and say, God, I'm here to serve you. This is one of those things that happened as he was walking along, he was teaching. Okay. 
So then he goes on to the cost of discipleship. We'll get to that one in verse 57. Again, I like it. It says, now it happened as he journeyed. So some of the things happen in life is as you journey. Sometimes, you know, uh, what I'm trying to put across is uh, there is formal uh, 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 programs and there's uh, spontaneous things. Uh, there's uh, what, what I would say is uh, planned and programmed uh, is there and then there is the one that is spontaneous. Sometimes we mistakenly think uh, that anything that's planned is devoid of God. That's not the case. Uh, it can be planned and God is fully in it. And uh, uh, it doesn't mean spontaneous is necessarily more spiritual either. God can use both. So I would be prepared. So I would say, plan your lives and say, God, I'm open to change. Okay? Uh, plan things uh, meticulously, diligently, and then say, God, I'm open to change. You can do it your way, and I'm willing to go with you. Because I, uh, you know that scripture which he says, uh, Jesus said this, I think it's recorded for us in Luke. Uh, Jesus says, you call me Lord, Lord, yet you leave those things I say undone. So if you call him Lord, then obedience is not an optional extra. It is mandatory to do his words. Okay? If you have difficulty in doing his words, talk with him and say, God, grant me the grace to do it. You don't have to beat yourself up or go on a guilt trip. Say, God, I find this tremendously hard. We are all on a journey. Like we said, we are an apprentice. We are following in his footsteps. We will, when we are fully trained, we will be like him. But the beauty of it is, even Christians, even as we mature, we don't cease to be under his tutelage. We will always be under his tutelage. Okay. So as he journeyed, there were three uh, men in this passage. Uh, number one, uh, a man who comes up to him. Number two, a man he zones into. The third is a man who comes up to him. Three men in this situation. The first man is come, comes to him and says, Lord, uh, I will follow you wherever you go. And uh, Jesus replies, foxes have holes, uh, birds, have, birds of the air have nests, and uh, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So if this, uh, Jesus is saying basically, yeah, following me is not a walk in the park. Uh, there are no uh, promises of uh, uh, um, uh, a cushy life. Uh, Jesus is basically saying, I'm not staying in... Uh, King David Hotel, Jerusalem, in the president's suite. Okay. Uh, uh, so, uh, say, what he's saying is that um, this guy has not thought things through. I'm going to throw a little thing for us. You say you're following Jesus. You say you're full. You call him Lord. I want to give, give, give it some thought. How is it going to unpack in my life the way I handle my time my talent, and my treasure. How uh, does it unpack? Okay. While you think about it, I'll just go back a little bit. Uh, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. I want to touch 49 and 50. And uh, uh, there's some people who come to say that Jesus, there are some people who are baptizing that's John's uh, team is baptizing. Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. Uh, uh, oh, 
sorry, John came to Jesus and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we forbade him because he does not follow with us. Jesus said, do not forbid him for uh, he is not against us for he is for us. Sometimes, you know, in church life, we are so protective over our denomination or our uh, branding, if you want to call it, uh, or our label, uh, we can become completely... Uh, say the word right, but frigid towards other uh, groups of people. Uh, what he's saying is, in uh, basically, uh, Dylan has written this before, uh, in essentials, you have to have uh, unity. In essentials, no negotiation on that. On non-essentials, uh, we have liberty. But in all things, uh, charity. Okay, so it's so important. In essentials, unity in uh, non-essentials, liberty, in all things, uh, charity. So be charitable towards all people, and in, all, in, in other things, if they want to differ, don't argue with them, give them space. Because, you know, by giving them space and respecting them, you're more likely to win them to your ways uh, by your conduct. Okay? Uh, Apostle Peter writes to wives who are married to unbelieving husbands at that stage, and he says, by your conduct, you could win them. Wow. That applies to your workplace. That applies to your family life. That applies to, in every circumstance, your conduct is so important. Okay. So anyway, this guy has not thought things through, this first guy who ran up to Jesus. Maybe today you can say, Lord, I want to start a journey where I'm going to think things through with you and count the cost. The next one is Jesus uh, uh, um, zooms in on one guy and says, follow me. And he says, Lord, let me go and bury my father. And then he's saying, I'll come. His father was not dead and kept in a morgue at the time. He's saying that my father's old. I'll go and uh, do my duties as a son. And when he's dead and I've fulfilled all my earthly responsibilities, then I will come. Um, there is a no good time to follow Christ. Now is your time. Okay, that's important. You know, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, you know, like we all, uh, uh, you know, sometimes we can f um, say, like, say, uh, it, like, for example, I remember when we were first married, we are thinking about when do we uh, think of family? You know, and sometimes when you're newly married, things are quite challenging, and you kind of think, oh, maybe when I have a little bit more and a little bit more. It's good to plan, okay? Plan, prepare, all that's good. But if you kind of think like, uh, in long term and you know according to all these stats you get in the newspaper how much you need to run a family you will or how much you need to get married you'll never get married you'll never have a family you'll never do any of those things because it's it's always way outside your scope so this guy was saying god i want to fulfill my responsibilities my duties then i'll come god saying no 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 he's saying let the dead bury the dead uh, and he goes on to say, uh, you, uh, go and preach the kingdom of God. So he was already a disciple. So the challenge is to already a disciple. He's saying, sometimes uh, your other responsibilities 
have to be number two. Okay, so sometimes that's the case, you know. So you, it's, it's a life of, in a, earlier I mentioned, uh, yesterday I mentioned, what did I say? Uh, uh, you're called to Christ, you're called by Christ, you're called to his community, you're called to Christ-likeness. And I also said, you're called to a life of simplicity, in other words, a focused life, a life of service, and a life of suffering. All this you're called when you're completely unqualified. So you, you, get, you get that picture here. Is this man, uh, it has, uh, the priority has to be Jesus. Another, to another, another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me go and bid, uh, uh, let me go home and bid farewell to those who are in my house. So here's a man who, who's got family ties are so strong. What my mama think, what my dad will think, what my brothers think, especially if you come from an Indian culture, that's such a big bind. You know, when I, had, when I uh, met Claire and I wanted to marry Claire, when I phoned my mum, her first thing is saying, uh, what will people say? You're marrying someone outside of uh, your culture. So I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say is, uh, let uh, public opinion, or even the opinion of your uh, uh, well, um, what do you call, well-intentional friends, uh, sometimes have to take a back seat. Because this guy, if he had gone back, probably they would have persuaded him, don't give up your career in KPMG or PricewaterCooper <laughs> or one of those Ernst & Young. You're leaving all this. You're, you are, oh, you're just about to become an MP. Yeah, I don't know all of you are laughing, I know why, but uh, find out later. Okay, but God might say, you know, there's a time to, uh, to make hay when the sun shines, there's a time to adopt, uh, 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 to stop and to rethink and evaluate and say, maybe uh, for the sake of the gospel, a slightly a different tack in my career. Maybe some of you might be called into a specific place because God wants you to be a witness. If you're called to be a scientist in NASA, go for it, because I don't know how many evangelists will walk around NASA. Okay. So it depends what God has got for you, but specifically, in this instance, uh, the guy was uh, worried about what will other people say. And Jesus says this, no one having put his hand to the plow and look back, and uh, such a person is fit for the kingdom of God. So don't look back. Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, the, today's, uh, we live in a world, we like to compare uh, uh, things, you know, you know, how are my colleagues doing, you know, uh, how are we doing? We all finished off at university 10 years ago, and they're, oh, yeah, he's working for that, great, yeah, I think I'm doing better than him, I'm not doing better than him. You know, sometimes there's a tendency for people to look back and I say, oh, I'm going to just give you some trivial examples here, okay, so you might say like, Oh, if you're one of those people, so like you've been giving 10% of your income to God's work and, and stuff like that, and then you kind of think like, well, yeah, if only I had not done that, maybe I could have bought an a, a electric car, brand new now, you know? You don't think like that. That's plain, that's not a, a life of a disciple. Oh, you look at all the time that you gave away, and you think like, oh, if I'd only had this time, maybe I would have... Uh, uh, played golf even better. You know, don't be like that. 
don't be stingy towards God. Be generous towards God. Give all your life. And you know, he's a, he's a generous God. He will, he, he's not going to beat you into, into a pulp. He will give you those moments of rest as well. Okay. So, so um, let's touch on 14. So time uh, is still with me, so I'll, I'll work with that. Oh, wow, I've spoken a lot. <laughs> Just like, uh, yes, yeah, 32 minutes already. Can I stop there or do you want me to continue a little bit? Okay, okay. I'll just do the 14. To, to do justice, Candace read that passage. Um, okay, uh, again, in this, uh, this, this uh, passage is quite interesting. It sits before, in Luke's case, uh, Jesus was not an easy guest to invite at your, uh, to your house. Okay, so he comes, he's being invited, number one, uh, to the house of a ruler of the Pharisees. So it's a very important house. It's not your any old house. It was a special house. He was invited. And it was on a Sabbath day. And they have placed a man who is unwell, a man with dropsy, uh, uh, there to see what he might do, whether he will heal on a Sabbath day. And Jesus can read what they are thinking. And what he does is he asks, is it lawful to heal someone on Sabbath? And then goes and heals him and says, go home. And then he turns around and says, which of you having a donkey or an ox, if you use another one of the manuscripts, it says, or a son that falls into a pit on Sabbath day, will you not pull him out immediately? Or will say, oh, I'll wait till Sabbath's over. Okay. Not an easy conversation as a guest in the host, okay. Next he looks around and he looks and he says, uh, all these people are sitting, all the uh, heavyweights are sitting on special places in there uh, in the area of eating. So it probably looked more like a formal, a formal location maybe. And then he says a parable and he says that, you know, uh, make yourself lowly and then you'll be invited up. So he talks that to them. So everybody's kind of quite awkward. Oh, I don't know what he's going to say next. And he hasn't finished yet. He uh, looks around and he says, oh, all the bigwigs are here. You haven't invited anyone who's poor or anything like that. Uh, only those people who can invite you back to their houses, you're invited. So then he says a, a another uh, parable. Uh, now he, he, he makes an observation. Guests are awkward, host is awkward. So then he goes on to talk about the parable of the Great Supper, and in which he, he basically uh, says that you guys were invited for the Great Supper, you guys are not going to taste the Great Supper if you continue like this. That's the essence of that parable. In all this, what he's uh, uh, trying to, uh, and obviously his disciples are watching this. I said, you know, he, they learn by observation. They're learning things, even in this instance. And uh, then uh, he goes on to say, he looks at the great multitude who went with him. He turned and said to them, if anyone comes after me, does not hate his father, his mother, his wife, his children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Okay. And then he goes on to say, in this instance, he's not asking you to go and literally hate people, uh, but he's saying, this, these are all close relationships, and the closest of all relationships is yours. You're, I mean, most people uh, are uh, like yourself, you know. 
<coughs> like if you look, see, I made an effort to look good today for something more. And uh, uh, yeah, you look, you kind of you fixed your hair, put makeup, eyeliner. I can see on, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, brushed your hair. I don't see any bad, bad hair people here today. See, see, what I'm trying to say is, you, so even in all these things, priority is Christ. Priority is Christ. More than any relationship. Relationship with God is number one. And uh, he says, again, uh, count. Count the cost. He says, a man who's building a house, he counts the cost. A king who goes to war, counts the cost. And uh, he's saying, if the salt uh, loses its flavor, uh, I'm told chemically uh, NaCl cannot be unsalted, but but so almost an impossibility. But what he's saying, if the salt loses its flavor, if it's good for nothing, and he finishes it, you got a ear? You, you understanding what I'm saying? Yeah. He who has a ear, let him hear. So I'm going to close by saying, you heard so much today about the costs. Maybe you want to sit down and count the costs. I don't know. I'm going to ask uh, who who was I'm saying today? Yeah. So I'm going to hand this over, and you can close for us in prayer, and then whatever else you need to do. Um, before we close in prayer.